Welcome back to The Reboot Show. I'm your host, Sally A. Illingworth. Today, we're joined by four utility industry panellists to explore the role of digitisation in enabling water utility organisations to thrive in business and customer experience. Today, our panellists will be discussing a couple of key things, including how thriving water utilities organisations are embracing digital-led business reinvention, the role of accessible data maturity improvements in preparing water utility organisations for Industry 4.0 and beyond, how digitisation is enabling the creation of commercially and environmentally sustainable water utility business models, and we'll be exploring how the importance of establishing meaningful customer experiences and services beyond the meter. Joining us today is Jennifer Ribeiro, who is the Chief Information Officer at Greater Western Water, Ryan Sullings, who is the Digital Metering Transition Manager at Sydney Water, Nick Birrell, who is the Vice President of Utility Industry Strategy at Oracle, and of course, our resident technology panelist, Luke Stowe, who has held various executive roles across the utilities industry. Please use the Q&A box to submit your questions to our panelists throughout the discussion. So to kick off, Jennifer, it'd be great to hear from you. Having worked in various transformational leadership roles across multiple industries, including banking and finance, transport, manufacturing and utilities, where you're currently serving as the CIO of Greater Western Water, how have you seen the water utility uh, sector evolve in recent years? And importantly, what role has the customer played in this evolution? Thanks, Ellie, and thank, thank you for having me here today. Um, wow. Um, the water sector has absolutely evolved um, considerably over the last decade. Um, one which is truly really embracing digital as the way to optimise and improve our service offering to our customers. Uh, and I suppose at Greater Western Water, we have an absolute focus on our customers, working towards improving the way they interact with us and looking to evolve our relationship with them to to, to one that gives them choice in the channel of preference so they can actually make a decision as to how they want to interact with us. And I've got probably a few examples, if if you don't mind. Um, So over the last few years, we've provided our customers with a customer portal so that they can engage and transact with us online. We've introduced the capability for our customers to pay their account in multiple ways, including um, from an SMS advice, and we've automated transactions such as move in and move out to create efficiencies for our customers and also for for the the customers of customers, like real estate agents as well. You know, we've we've spent a lot of time, Sally, around thinking about how we can automate as much activity as we can to really create value for our customers. And, you know, I I suppose one of the ones that has given me, um, you know, a a lot of happiness is that we automated our customer refund process. And this was a process that took in excess of probably two weeks. Um, And we've got that now down to under five days. And, you know, this is so rewarding, especially in a time um, of COVID where people um, are really needing to access these types of services more readily as well. There are a lot more different things that we've introduced, but I think it's really about being able to connect with our customers in many different ways and through many different channels and also getting that information back so that we've got really good insight. So if if you have to, in answer to your question, Zoe, the customer has played an absolutely significant role um, in the evolution 
along with our corporation colleagues. Ryan, I'm sure, is going to tell you a little bit more. Uh, so we have collectively, as an industry, absolutely put the customer um, at the centre of, of our world. That's brilliant. And I think you share some really good examples there, Jen. Um, and I particularly like the fact that you share that you've managed to reduce the refund process from uh, taking two weeks um, to being substantially less. And I think a lot of utility customers would be very pleased with that because you know, I think that's something that's always been quite a pain point um, without having those um, digital points of connectivity on the channels that are important to, to customers. Nick, you've um, got 15, more than 15 years experience in the utility sector providing strategic solutioning um, advice to customers. So alongside what Jen's saying, what role are you seeing technology play in conversations, business conversations, when it comes to growth and profitability? Uh, yeah, thanks, Sally, by the way. Uh, great to be here with you and with also with my fellow panellists and indeed uh, the audience in general. Um, so what role was technology playing um, in, in growth and profitability? I would have to say a lot. Uh, digital connection uh, from how we see it at Oracle is, is pretty much now the norm in business to customer experience. And we see that in lots of other industries. And, and you know, you could say utilities are, are maybe a slightly a laggards in this area compared to other industries. Um, what it does is offer the utility with, a, I guess, an opportunity to explore new value added offerings for its customers. It might be value from a core mission perspective, such as water conservation, or might be value from a new revenue stream. Mm -hmm. So, it, it also provides, I think, far greater opportunity to reach out to the customers, as, as Jen was alluding to, and to provide a, a level of service in a way that previously wasn't possible. So this is through new digital channels, which, you know, generally speaking, uh, I believe have a lower cost to serve, uh, but arguably can provide uh, better service. So I want to provide a good example here, and this is what I call the human plus service channel. So this is where the the worker or the call center agent or whoever person might be, might be the field agent, but that, that he or she leverages their skills and knowledge, but it, they join up with a new set of tech-driven capabilities. So self-driving cars might be a good analogy in this example here. So whilst the driver can hand over control of the vehicle um, to, to, or to the vehicle, to the onboard computer at any point in time, they still have an ability to step back in when the situation becomes a bit more complex or they're getting off the freeway or whatever. So this is a, an example of technology and, and humans working as one is what we're gonna be seeing more and more um, in the next decade. So in a similar fashion, think of a call center agent, um, they can engage in real conversations with the customer, but in the background, the digital assistant is understanding the context, finding the right information to support the conversation, uh, helping complete uh, processes and, and, and making, all sorts of, making all sorts of suggestions to the agent to, to add value along the way, such as might be recommending new services, um, payment plans, or maybe just trying to avoid future issues in, in, in the future. And I, I think this concept can also be extended out to other areas, not just course and agents, but so an example is um, field workers. So in this case here, a field worker is potentially using augmented reality to help them, him or him or her, with their things, with things such as, you know, locating the, the location of an underground pipe, as an example. So they'll be using the special glasses, so they've got to get over that, I guess, but they're using mm -hmm. special and they get this digital overlay of the asset against the physical real world backdrop. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Pokemon for, for grown-ups, perhaps you would call it. Um, and, and this, of course, is leveraging a really another exciting digital trend around the, uh, the digital twin, uh, which is also quite uh, relevant for, for utilities and water utilities especially. 
So I think all of this basically promotes effective completion of, of a, a water utilities core mission. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, but it's also in a way that it does this in a way that actually, uh, I, I think actually reduce the cost to serve um, and hopefully the, the, the bottom line as well. Yeah, I love what you're highlighting there. And I, I like the initial reference to digital connection. Um, so, you know, right from the business through to the customer experience. And I think that really aligns with the insights you shared, Jen. Um, and I also like that you highlight um, so achieving service levels that were previously not possible. And I think that's a really key thing here, particularly when we think about um, the importance of putting the customer um, at the center of focus. Which leads me nicely into my next question, which is for you, Luke. Uh, you're an internationally accomplished um, CIO, and I know that a large part of your thought leadership is people are the last frontier of technology um, or anything digital for that matter. Uh, so as technology becomes more intrinsic to the ability for water utility organisations to compete and win, uh, not just now, but in the decades to come, what are your views on the changing culture that perhaps may be required given this sort of end customer focus that Jennifer and Nick have highlighted perhaps wasn't always a major priority within the culture of these organisations. It's a great, it's a great um, part of the conversation, Sally. I think, um, you know, and, and it takes some courage, I think, because what's happened in uh, water utilities is probably the same as what happened in banking and finance quite some time ago where, you know, there's a push towards uh, a digital way of engaging with customers. Um, that, in my view, is going to lead to a better customer satisfaction. So from a cultural point of view, I think it takes uh, a clear leadership direction. And, you know, uh, leaders like Jen and the executives at uh, Greater Western Water and the board at uh, Greater Western Water, they've uh, said, well, customers are going to be a priority for us. We're going to put customers first. Um, that means that the cultural aspects of that uh, ripple through the organization. So everyone, you know, starts to think, well, how can we make it a, a better uh, experience for our customers? Uh, and of course, that then drives better thinking around it. So, you know, um, I, I was really also um, intrigued and, and pleased to hear about the refund process, because that's something that a customer would be frustrated by. And so now it's reduced in time. It's a better experience for them. Uh, and no doubt, Jen will say that they've done the um, data analysis and they've looked at the process and they've refined it. And I think that shows, you know, really good cultural aspects within an organisation. But first and foremost, I think it's, you know, just being clear that customers have a role to play. These businesses have been mainly asset businesses. And of course, that we know that water is a really important thing for us as uh, humans. We need it for our households. Without it, uh, you know, we don't do too much. You can have electricity off for a couple of days, but if the water's off for very long, no showers, no drinking water, no cooking, it becomes a disaster. So this is a really important part of our day-to-day -day lives and even becoming more important from a sustainability point of view. People want to discuss that. And I know when it comes to discussing utilities in my household, we don't sit around talking about uh, electricity, but we do talk about water utilities because this is a really hot topic for us right now. So uh, look, I think culturally uh, taking all those things into account, this is about um, you know taking that step and making sure that everyone's clear that that is the step that, that's been taken. 
Yeah, I, I love the point that you highlight around sort of having the courage to to have that clear leadership direction um, to be able to sort of modernise the the way you approach um, customer en- customer engagement and the importance that it plays across a business. Um, uh, and Ryan, you've got more than thirteen years experience in the water utility sector across Australia. Um, and you're currently at the helm of a major digital metering transformation program with Sydney Water. Um, what do you see are the main drivers for digitization in the water utility sector and who benefits the most? And I understand the rest of the panel so far have indicated the importance of customer as a key driver, um, but certainly interested to hear your views, um, particularly given your frontline experience. Yeah, there's there are so many drivers from all areas of the utility and from the customers. Uh, so within my experience, just looking at digital metering, there's at least a hundred individual benefits to doing a digital metering, to rolling that out for customers. But the, the overarching driver for digitization is to improve the way we serve our customers. So echoing what everyone else has said, um, but utilities are designed to serve customers. They're customer centric organizations. They're not necessarily a for-profit organization. They're they're for the benefit of the community at the end of the day. So it's about uh, getting the the customer benefits and the outcomes across. So within those, I see there's two categories of benefits. There's those that are seen and felt directly by the customer. And then there are those that are behind the scenes uh, that may benefit the customer greatly without them even knowing. So what customers see digitization doing is it improves the way we deliver our existing services uh, and it allows us to create entirely new ones. Um, So just like Jen touched on before, um, we're able to automate uh, the way that we interact with our customers and some of the most common interactions that we have, things like the billing process. Um, But we're also able to provide completely new services that didn't exist just years ago, like Uh, through digital metering, a leak alert. If there's a leak in your house, the meter can detect it and we can send you a notification. A lot of houses are unoccupied, leaks account for a huge amount of water loss, and they also uh, give people very scary water bills and can cause property damage. So we're able to have this completely new service thanks to the digitization to solve those sorts of problems. Yeah, I love that you highlighted this sort of the, the the benefits that the customer directly sees and feels, and then the ones that are behind the scenes that also uh, benefit the customer, but they may not be conscious of or aware of. Um, and I also love that you highlight uh, that, you know, being customer centric is almost foundational to utility organizations. You know, that's something I've not heard before. And I think that's really quite a powerful message here. Uh, and, you know, I think optimizing total cost to operate um, has always been a, a major focus from what I understand for utility businesses. Um, and Luke, you mentioned before, uh, you know, asset management, um, you know, which also comes into it as well. Uh, but Jennifer, how would you summarize the benefits of digitization for water utility organizations in achieving both their short and long-term goals, particularly with respect to things like insight, customer engagement and sustainability, which is really, really important? Uh, yeah, thanks, Sally. And um, I suppose no matter what industry we're in, digitization gives us benefits. Um, you know, it makes our work easier. It enables us to focus on value-creating activities. Um, it also provides us with the, you know, the, the opportunity to provide um, and to gain insight from our customers 
um, and also from our assets and, and, in, and ensuring that we're interacting um, not only with our customers, but also with our operational aspects of our business, our, our infrastructure business um, in the right way, and also that we're planning correctly in the right way. Um, but I also, I probably would say, um, and Luke touched on this a little bit, it, it's not just about our customers, it's also about our employees and our partners. Um, at Greater Western Water, we're, we're absolutely focused, as I said earlier, on having a positive engagement with our, with our customers. Um, but we're also, or, and we're also equally focused on creating um, a great place to work. Um, and creating a really engaging culture for our employees. And this, amongst many other things, includes having the right systems and processes to simplify the way we work or even change the way we work. So we're creating value for our customers, not only for right here, right now, but also in the long term. So, you know, and I think um, for, as an infrastructure organisation, our assets are in the ground for 50 plus years. So we need to be able to establish an environment where we can get some real-time information on how that asset actually is performing so that we can make the right steps um, in the future to be able to plan out when's the appropriate time to potentially change out that asset or, you know, how can we do some work um, around the asset in order to, to ensure that we're, you know, we're really thinking about the best way to deliver our services. And also, you know, I think as Luke mentioned, you know, also, um, Ryan mentioned and and um, Nick thinking about costs. You know, it, you know, it is um, a costly organisation to to run at times because of the the infrastructure um, nature of it. But I also mentioned that that partners are also really important to us as well. And from a digitisation perspective, it, it's about getting. Um, to, it's about working with our partners, I should say, um, and in really embedding them with us at, at, in delivering value to our customers and delivering value to our employees as well. And I think, you know, from an, a technology perspective, we're really embracing um, the, the expertise that our partners bring to us through technical and digital capability and really working with us to deliver um, new ways of working and optimising the way we're working so that we can create value. So you also mentioned um, around sustainability and, you know, as an organisation, we are absolutely committed to um, delivering on sustainable development goals. Um, and so therefore, you know, we've aligned ourselves um, alongside those goals with, you know, having a real focus as we talk about on customers, but having a real focus on the community, having a focus on asset management, um, making good decisions through evidence-based decision-making, using analytics to get us there and making sure that we are constantly um, thinking about our environment and, and thinking about how we can deliver um, healthier, more livable communities and making sure that we innovate along the way so that we are still creating value for our customers. Yeah, I think you certainly highlight that there are so many uh, immediate benefits, but I also appreciate the, the focus on the future, which you, you, know, you um, explained uh, being critical um, to these types of organisations, given you may have an asset in the ground for 50 years. So I think you know, long-term business planning is really crucial in that respect. And 
Uh, you know, I think the the other key thing that you highlight is around gaining insight from assets. Um, so when we think about things like Industry 4.0, which is a really, really hot topic, and you know, we think about the future of cities, thanks to technology and digitization, uh, that sort of future focus lens is really crucial um, when making decisions now um, to benefit the organization now and in the future. Um, and I, from what I understand, the electricity sector um, has uh, matured a lot more when it comes to digitization. And Nick, given your insights across the utility sector broadly, is there an example you can share as to how water utility organizations can learn from the electricity market particularly as they contemplate uh, digitization and, and industry 4.0 more broadly? Uh, yeah, Sally, yes, I, I believe so. And, and so my experience with the electricity industry is, is probably globally, or probably it is globally. And I, I do see a few things that they're starting to do, which I think would probably have benefit for water utilities in general. And I, I was sitting down the, the other day and sort of thinking about this, and one that struck me the most was, about changing behaviours. Mm -hmm. So as, 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 as the audience will know, the electricity industry is under a great, is, a, is in a great period of transition, okay? As we go to renewables, you know, net zero, all that good stuff. And so what utility companies are doing, indeed what we're trying to help utilities do, utility, electricity companies do, is actually um, help people sh either shift or, or remove their consumption altogether. So we call it demand response. So instead of, you know, you, you might get a notification at the peak of a day or a really part of the hot part of the day to turn your air conditioning off, as an example, um, and you might get a reward for it. So it's all about um, changing behaviours, whether it's monetary incentive or whether it's uh, just through, um, I, I guess, just through behavioural science of, 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 you know, making people aware of what they're consuming and that they, and that they should do it at a different time. This is something that the electricity industry has uh, got a bit of a jump start on. Mm. Um, so that's probably one thing that I think is probably a learning. Um, obviously, reducing consumption is is acutely relevant for water utilities, mm -hmm. uh, and I think water utilities can maybe learn something from some of the techniques using digital technologies that the electricity industry is doing on this front. Mm -hmm. The behavioural modification is is number one. Number two is around smart meters. So, um, so obviously, I think Ryan earlier on was speaking about how the customer is part of the business case, and, and that's very true. And we've seen in, in Victoria, when, when, we, when Victoria rolled out their smart meters, you know, now almost 20 years ago, um, they, had, they had, you know, the customer benefits in the business case, but they, they, thought, they failed to fully realise that in that initial period. And one of those reasons is because they didn't properly engage the customer about the smart meter, about what the benefit is to them. And we've seen this globally. I, I'm, I'm picking on Victoria, um, but we've seen this globally, you know, you know, in in the US especially, where you get the whole tinfoil hat brigade coming out about the smart meters, about how they, you know, they, they're the cause of all sorts of ills. Um, so effective customer engagement around the smart meter is probably one of the key learnings coming out of the, uh, the electricity smart meter rollout. And I know globally, um, utilities are now considering uh, water, uh, smart water meter, uh, smart, smart meter rollout. So I think that's probably one thing. And, and maybe the final thing I want to, uh, um, bring to our attention here is probably just around transformation in general. So when we first saw business transformation, digital transformation occurring in um, electricity utilities, what we first saw was they were using digitization as a form of automation. Okay. And that's great. That sometimes brings it, um, sucks out costs in the organization as an example, but what they, what the more advanced utilities started to do was to actually use digitization to truly transform 
and to implement new business models. So that's that's the real benefit of digital transformation, not just the automating, but the creation of new business models. So that's what we've seen, uh, particularly in in electricity, in the electricity industry in general, probably more in retail space, but also in the distribution space as well. So um, that thing, and I, and I hark back to what Luke said before about that a cultural change is required as well. And mm. I think that's probably one of the key things, you know, just to do just to do digital transformation to um, to to bring cost out or to automate is one part of it. But to get the true benefit of, of it all, uh, a water utility does need to culturally come on board and, and and move with it as well. And I think you you highlight something really interesting there, Nick. Um, you know, throughout your your insights there, and it was at the beginning where you know you you sort of referenced uh, a, a case study, if you like, um, where digital metering was rolled out, and perhaps it didn't have the impact that it could have had um, because uh, how the customer was engaged in that sort of outcome wasn't as good as it could have been so therefore they didn't really realize all of the benefits um you know and i think that's that's a really interesting point and really highlights the importance of ensuring that uh how you uh seek to engage the customer and, and benefit the customer uh through transformation programs and digitization ensure it's end-to-end -end and you don't just have the idea and then when you execute you sort of miss out on the key pieces of the puzzle um, which are those little nuances around how the customer um, understands and becomes aware of that that change and yeah. um, I think that's a really key point and you know just thinking about you know industry 4.0 if we can sort of you know look 5, 10, 15 years ahead you know, I think smart homes are a big part of that conversation as well. And, you know, for utility organisations dealing with increasingly engaged end customers in the home, you know, I think there's there's an interesting part of the conversation here, which is, and Luke, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this. You know, what, what should executives and utility organisations, what are utility organisations more broadly be thinking about when they consider, you know, competing with, or perhaps even better, partnering with, uh, other brands or providers that already uh, own a lot of space in the home or have a really engaged presence in the home? Yeah, look, I, I love this question. You know that. Um, this, is, this is really, I think, where we, you know, digital transformation starts to pay sort of really great dividends for the end consumer and for uh, the organisations that are putting it in place. Um, look, I, I think it, it's, a, it's about, and I think Jen um, touched on this, you know, what we, and Nick as well, what this is about is really focusing in on what's going to be important and the right thing for us to do as we try and enter the house beyond the meter for a water utility. So, for example, if we just focus in on that, um, you know, there are many players inside the home. You know, I've had a background in telecommunications, in banking, finance, aviation, and utilities. And from all those organisations, we all wanted to be in the home. Uh, but the reality of it is there are um, many companies that are already there, have great presences and do really well. Uh, I'm talking about Google, Amazon, LG, Samsung, uh, PlayStation, you know, the names that we would know. Um, they're already um, having a great presence within the home and they've put a lot of uh, uh, money research into how they can continue to work with the home. They realise they can't do this by themselves. And so partnership models and associations become really important. And there's two examples of this. And Nick touched on this uh, before around the simulation um, and virtualization of uh, networks and and uh, and uh, distribution, 
And, you know, there's a really great example last month, AES, which is a business, a utility business in distribution business in Idaho and um, uh, uh, Missouri within the US, oh, sorry, Indiana within the US. They, they are, have been partnering with Google to virtualize uh, and to um, come up with an automation in a, in a visual way of checking on their network and simulating that environment so that they can do maintenance checks. And they can also work out how they can bring information from that network to benefit their, uh, their customers. So this is happening uh, and it's happening more and more. And those partnerships will continue to develop around network management and asset management and distribution. On the home front, really great examples being, uh, it, and Oracle plays their part in this as well. I mean, you know, Oracle, one of the things that we just forget as technologists is that Oracle has components in most businesses and they've been leading this space, uh, particularly in the US and UK for a long time now and continue to do that work uh, with these bigger organizations um, uh, like Oracle and, and their partners to, to foster this type of thinking. But one of the things that I really find interesting is the work that uh, Google Nest are doing in the US again, um, this is where they've got thermostats and the business they're working there is Duke Energy. They're the second largest energy provider in the US. Um, and, and basically what they're doing is they're giving $75 to someone who signs up, e-gift card, sign up to the deal to use our thermostat inside the home. We'll give you $75 e-gift e card and we give you $25 every year that you stay on. So there's an incentive to get involved. Um, but, you know, what's fascinating with Google and what they're doing with um, energy businesses across the world is, do you know, that they just bought out information. They saved 25 billion kilowatts since they've started this um, uh, thermostat management within houses within the US. 25 billion kilowatts is equivalent to 9.6 million worth of carbon emissions. Uh, and that is incredible saving. So when you think about global warming and you think about the things we're talking about from a government point of view, hot topic right now, I don't know if you saw on the news this week, it's been right uh, front and centre. Technology is playing its part. And so these partnerships for water utilities are going to be really crucial moving forward. How do we partner with the likes of Oracle, Google, these type of companies to make a difference um, within the home beyond the meter? Luke, just one one thought there is now that we've we're sort of had the you know nearly two years of living at, and working from home, and I, I feel that we're more interested in in how we do that at home. We're more interested in how we consume at home. I'm, I'm wondering what impact that will have on on people's acceptance of behind the meter devices. You know, understanding how they consume water, as an example. Mm -hmm. I'll invite General Ryan to give a view of that if they'd like to. Yeah, look, I, I, I love behind the meter. And I think if you had to ask my colleagues at work, they'd be going, Jen always talks about being behind the meter. And, um, it, you know, the devices that we have these days, our washing machines, our, um, our dishwashers, our showers, you know, how do we, how they are very, very important devices in a house that we rely upon, but they're yeah. also, you know, large consumers of water. And we can get a lot of insight into the effectiveness of that and people can actually start to potentially take control 
of how they utilise that scarce asset that water is um, more, more consciously. And it really plays into our climate environment conversation around people actually being able to, to make a difference. That's on, on that point, it's, and this is harking back to my question about what the electricity industry is doing, it's actually reminded me, thank you. And it's around disaggregation. So one thing we do for electricity is we get the, you know, the person gets their consumption for the, for, the, for the billing period. And what we can do through artificial intelligence is dis, disaggregate that power and work out, well, your pool consume this much, your, your white goods consume this much. And so people get a real profile of, of how they're doing that. And the next step is obviously on the water side. And, but what electricity companies that, we're, that or our customers are doing it, doing with this sort of disaggregation information is that they're using it to drive campaigns. So for instance, you might determine that your fridge is using too much power or maybe it's in water, your washing machine is, using, is inefficient. So they're using that information to, to drive campaigns out to their customers. So it's really hyper-personalized to the individual. And they say that a, a, a utility customer, I think there's some stat that they give nine minutes of their time <laughs> to a utility. So that nine minutes, you've got to make that nine minutes matter. So that's almost the thing that digitization is allowing is for, is for us to really, really understand that person and their precise needs. And it might be that they've got an inefficient, you know, washing machine, right? And so mm -hmm. a campaign for that directed squarely at that individual uh, to upgrade their washing machine or whatever is that's where you can, you know, you can really get real value from a, um, I think from a utility perspective of, of achieving their core mission, um, but also the, the, the end consumer as well. Really happy that in the water utilities industry, we're increasingly talking about behind the meter, which energy yeah. has for some years, it's becoming more the forefront in water. And I'm often known as the digital metering person, like I'm about the meter, but the whole reason is for what goes on behind the meter. And uh, I think there's some exciting stuff in home automation and people like or companies like Google that you mentioned, Google, Apple, Amazon are all agreeing now on some common protocols for smart home. And we're starting to think about how can our digital metering from Sydney Water link in with those channels? How can we exist in that future where home automation gets as popular as the smartphone is today? And given um, that leads nicely into a conversation, you know, thinking about all of these great things, these great opportunities, the future. Uh, but there's a conversation here around commerciality and, and the affordability, you know, of, of capabilities to digitise, uh, you know, services and operations across water utility organisations. And certainly interested to hear from you, Ryan, um, given your experience in implementing and building business cases um, for smart metering and other IoT technology uh, projects. How have you seen the commerciality of digital metering and other technologies improve for water utility organisations over the years? Yeah, being uh, in the electronics and the wireless space, it naturally is a fast evolving and ever changing topic. Uh, so many years ago, digital metering was only really commercially viable for large commercial and industrial type applications. It was only uh, very small projects that ever got to residential or to the wider community. But there's a range of new technologies or, or refined technologies uh, that have really made the big difference in the last few years. So there's things like new open standards, new languages that all devices across all vendors can start to speak. Uh, we're getting the security and the privacy bedded down and getting that solid. And particularly the new wireless technologies that have come about in the last few years, and there will be 
new iterations and new flavors of those that continue to come out. Um, and I guess where that relates to the business case is it, it's always in motion. The technology is always changing and we're trying to plan for infrastructure that will last 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. We need to factor in that things will change. The technology will get better. Some things that we use today might become redundant or might be the old fashioned way in the future. So wherever possible, we've got to design things to be uh, adaptive. Hmm. I, and, I like uh, that. I think that's the um, business case. Yeah. Sorry. Go for it. Sure. Um, and with the business case, I think uh, I mentioned before, Sydney Water, we've got over 100 benefits, reasons why we would do digital metering. Uh, I guess if I was to give advice or share experience, it would be to try to keep it simple, try to categorize those benefits, break them down into smaller chunks as well as uh, what is the solution? What, what are the things that aren't going to change? Keep those constant and try to do it in smaller pieces. Otherwise, uh, the, it's just far too complex to comprehend. And there's so many things that will only become clearer further down the track. So stick to what we know, keep it simple. I love that. I think that there's some great messages there. Um, flexibility and optionality within your planning and, and being conscious of the fact that technology will continue to evolve. So ensuring that you embed uh, preparation as best as you can for that into, into your programs. And I also like your, your key message there around simplicity. You know, just get down to the basics. What does it mean at its core? Um, and let's not overcomplicate it unnecessarily. And I think you raise uh, some interesting points there, um, Ryan, around the improvements that have happened that will continue to, um, the areas that will continue to see improvement, but also become more important around security and privacy. You know, particularly when we think about Internet of Things in both consumer and industrial settings. So uh, whilst that's, you know, all great and, and offers a lot of benefit to water utility organisations, those ongoing developments will be crucial and I suspect more important for these discussions in future. Um, I am mindful of time, um, but thinking about the future, for each of you, um, I would love to hear from you what you see as uh, something being a key, something as the key feature of executive discussions when we think about the future of water utility organisations and where the industry is going. Who would like to kick us off? Luke? Why not? Um, look, I, I'm really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Sally, and I think my key takeaway is probably the three things. I, I absolutely loved uh, Jen's view around employee and customer experiences. I, I, I thought that was just great. I, you know, you know how I feel about um, utilities of the future, and I think they're built upon employee and um, customer experiences being a joint thing and, and you know, a happy employee and engaged employee enjoying what they're doing and, and getting the best out of technology means that your customers are going to get um, the best out of the organization. So I, I really love that. I think, you know, Ryan, so interesting. I could listen to you uh, for hours, you know, this whole uh, beyond the meter, I think is, um, and Jen, you know, you're excited by it as well. I think this is going to be a really interesting space for water utilities over the next you know, short period of time. I don't think it's that long. And we'll be uh, really engaging with water utilities in a much more meaningful way. Um, and then lastly, you know, I think partnerships and associations. Oh, look, you know, organisations like Oracle, like Google, um, like Amazon, these organisations can bring instant knowledge uh, to the table and help you deal with this type of um, transformation. I think that's what businesses need to do. Yeah, I think that partnership element is really key, given we are, uh, I've heard someone previously say on the Reboot Show, we're in the sharing economy. It's the way of the future. It'd be great to hear from yourself, Jen. 
Uh, look, in terms of um, what we need to think about around the executive table, I think it will all has to always be about community, customer, environment, um, making sure that we are, are being true to, to those that we do serve um, and uh, also being really conscious about protecting that scarce asset that we have and making sure that we, we're using it effectively. It's also about thinking about what services we can provide in the future, you know, um, you know, recycled water, something, something is a conversation that we haven't really fulsomely explored um, in, um, in Victoria. You know, we obviously offer recycled water as well, but I think there's, there's probably more conversation to be had around that. Um, but I think it's essentially, you know, really being conscious about um, our people, putting our people at the centre and whether it's our customer, um, whether it's our employee, whether it's the partners, as you, you just mentioned, um, just making sure that we have that really, really strong focus around people. As I well. love that. Nick? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, key features of exec discussions. I mean, I, you, you can't go past, I think, and Jen mentioned it, so climate and decarbonisation, right, that's going to be that's going to be on the agenda, you know, at, at the corporate level for, for decades to come. Um, obviously, in water, it's around water security. You know, I'm, I'm thinking non-revenue water, uh, leaks, water quality, et cetera. Um, but also, you know, and, and both Ryan and Jen have, have mentioned it, that water utilities are about improving the quality of life for people living in cities, also outside of cities as well, but... In metropolitan areas, it's about protecting waterways, about, about how do you incorporate the, the city in with a healthy uh, water system within the city. So that's obviously going to be chief on the agenda. Um, but also other things, I think, interesting in, you know, I'll mention COVID again, but the whole wastewater-based epidemiology uh, movement. So we, you know, increasingly we see governments with uh, leading indicators that they're, you know, of, of areas that, that potentially could have had COVID or had COVID. But... It'd be interesting to see where this goes also as well, like similar applications could, I'm assuming, could go well beyond just COVID-19 um, to address other, you know, health-related risks potentially as well. There's a few other ones too, but the one that I wanted to point on that I, the one I want to call out, and it'd be really interesting in Ryan's thoughts here actually, is around the, the use of 5G to manage uh, water service infrastructures. I, I can imagine that uh, it'll, it'll facilitate a, a proliferation of, of smart IoT devices, is in, that's in my view. But I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts around that as well. Yeah, I can speak to 5G briefly. Um, so 5G is about speed and bandwidth. Uh, there, it's, there are its main advantages. A lot yeah. of our assets in water don't need to talk fast and they don't need to say a lot. They're, a lot of it's condition checking. Yeah. So what's the status of a valve or how much water is moving here or there at a time? little bits of data, but things need to run on batteries. So they need to be really efficient. So there are technologies that are perhaps like a cousin of 5G that are more suited to low energy consumption and great range and signal penetration. I think that's more where IoT in, in the water industry is going. There'll be more devices that use those low energy networks than 5G in water. Yeah, I think it's certainly an exciting space. And before we wrap up, Ron, uh, a key feature that you believe will be uh, a key part of uh, executive discussions moving forward. Yeah, so for water utilities in Australia, population growth, climate change, drought resilience, they're the biggest challenges. Um, previously, I worked with uh, Jen in Melbourne and now I'm here in Sydney Water. There are, there are day zeros 
on the horizon for cities all across Australia. This is where we have a demand crunch, supply can't meet demand. And I'm being not being doom and gloom about it being realistic. These are the horizons. So in the meantime, we can be looking at alternative supplies and we need to do that. But I think there'll be more and more focus on how do we go behind the meter or beyond the meter in the bill to offer more interesting services and get people excited about water conservation to bring everyone on a journey so that we don't need so much uh, big infrastructure. Yeah, the, the day, is it day zero as you said? Yes. That sounds like a daunting reality. And I think that certainly validates, um, you know, the importance of digitization, uh, particularly to lean on uh, what, what you've all spoken about in relation to equipping the, the end customer with the capability to make more informed decisions about their consumption more broadly, you know, it benefits the organization, but also the end customer. Um, and in today's uh, increasingly uh, environmentally conscious uh, landscape I think most customers want to be able to do that anyway um, and they feel like they can they just need to be equipped with the right uh, channels of communication and tools to be able to do it seamlessly uh, I'm mindful of time but thank you very much to all of you today um, for this brilliant discussion I, uh, I trust that the audience has enjoyed this discussion as much as I have Jennifer Ribeiro, Nick Beryl, Ryan Sallings and of course Luke Stowe, uh, we will be in touch to provide further information about this panel discussion uh, and provide you with guidance on how you can uh, access this discussion again. Thank you very much all for joining me um, with Oracle on the Reboot Show. Thanks, Sally. Thank you. Twenty twenty is the year the world seemed to stop. In the spring, we retreated to our homes, locked down and masked up. The world seemed to stop, but the world didn't stop. For over a year, as the rest of the world retreated home, you stood on the front lines. As we took meetings in our makeshift home offices, as our children powered up their devices for Zoom class, as we sat with our families around the dining room table, you kept the lights on, the water flowing. You kept our homes warm and cozy. Through summer heat waves and winter snowstorms, from wildfires to hurricanes, you weathered it all on the front lines. You answered our calls. You restored our power. When the world seemed to stop, we know the truth is, you kept the world running. And we are forever grateful to you. Thank you.